0: What? <laughs> <laughs> What is up ladies and gentlemen? I am so excited. What is up my co-host Tyler, my friend Travis, and my co-host Dale. Guys, you are amazing. You have brought fellowship to me early and I am so thankful and we've got a special edition of Faith on Altar tonight. This is so awesome. We're going to be talking about the explanatory power of axiology, and Travis is going to present us with this case. I am hanging out tonight with a good friend. Uh, It's Old Vine Zinfandel. I just bottled it. It's been waiting eight months for me to drink. I'm going to send it out to my friends that uh, would like a bottle, so... uh, you know, Tyler wants one. You might not like it. It's a little dry, but it's old, and it's it's actually really good. Uh, but besides that, we have an earth-shattering announcement. Canada has really surprised us. It has <laughs> made a huge leap in worst thing A ever. progression <laughs> of humankind it realized with my voice with my efforts of deciding to come against the crush company now i'm not going to i'm not going to talk bad about any company or anything like that but i am going to say i am going to say tonight. that canada stepped up to the plate and they decided to not produce Red cream soda, and that is a giant leap for mankind, and it's a step forward in the right direction. They're doing their job, you know. They finally stepped to the plate and they manned up, and they, you know, stopped producing the stuff, which I am grateful Woo! for that they listened to. You know, orange orange drinks belong in an orange drink category or a fruit drink category. It does not belong into a cream soda category. So with that. I am going to announce my wonderful co-host, brother Tyler Fowler. How are you doing? I
1: don't even get to respond to that. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, shut
2: your mouth. No. <laughs> I'm that doing airs. great with my orange uh, Crush drink here, as you see. It's wonderful. I'm, you know, flaunting it, you know. And and I mean, don't get me wrong. I think that you know, some things have its place. I think yeah, you know, cream the red, soda has its place. Red cream soda, you know, Crush red cream soda did. Yes. Do did try at least and and I guess it it, it failed. So I apologize. Going after Dale's
0: milk next. Bags just don't cut it. We need we need plastic. I mean,
2: you did good with the red cream soda thing, so maybe they'll listen to you with the bags of milk as well. But David, I'm doing good tonight. I'm excited to have Travis here. Uh so basically for those who don't know, we did a kind of a pre-show to to this, we were talking theodicy last Saturday. We had Dane Von Ace, we had Carrie Griffel, we had a bunch of panel uh, with us, and Travis could not make it. And so we've decided tonight Travis could make it. So he's going to let us know a little bit more about axiology. Carrie kind of hinted around at this. She played with the idea. Uh, we had a good uh, discussion back and forth. Uh, we had Caleb Mullins on that episode as well, um, and and David Lewis. So that was really cool to see those guys interact um but travis brother uh how are you doing tonight and we'll we'll go with dell last so <laughs> okay <laughs> you're ruining my joke but okay. i'm sorry I'm <laughs> the longer <laughs> we wait more out of place it's gonna be I'm build, look yeah. i'm building like soul building we're gonna be talking tonight i'm building people's souls waiting okay. on your joke so. uh, it's good. It's good. yeah
3: okay. the, the virtue of patience yeah exactly <laughs> but uh yeah anyway uh so i'm doing i'm doing really good uh you know I, i'm really blessed and uh you know i've considered uh an honor to be here with you guys. I mean, you guys are really cool. I love talking theology with you uh, and everything. And uh, I love the audience, you know, the audience. Uh, I I think the, you know, people in the audience are very valuable. Um, So I really value, uh, you know, the ability to talk to people like that Um, and to just kind of share my ideas, uh, you know, within, topics in theology and the philosophy of religion and so yeah uh, as a matter of fact we're going to be talking about value and what kind of world we would expect a perfect god to create and so forth so.
2: right on right on yeah.
0: right on dale you know you are you are special and you're valuable to, we, you're valuable and we you. want to
2: give you the floor so guys, okay, let's cool. get into this topic. Travis, wait,
1: wait, shut up. Mean? I'm going to show you guys what is valuable.
2: <laughs> okay, what is valuable? What
1: would a perfect guy oh, make? This is what oh, we'll make. That's valuable. cream soda. And now guess what I'm stuck with. Thanks to David. Here goes hey, our copyright clause. What, what is this? What do you Americans drink? This is not cream soda. Um I am very upset right now and uh David it's all your fault so
0: Well they thought you, you needed water more so <laughs> you know you need to drink more water Dale you know you don't drink, Jeez, wine, so they want you to drink some water Yes, I'm going to stick with my bagbell at least we still have bagged milk, so we're still good. Uh, yeah, well, not for long, because I'm coming after that next. So, next. But, uh, yes, thank you, all of you, for being here. And, you know, this brings fellowship so much closer yeah. to me. And it, It's so good. You know, uh, Travis, you you are such part of this team, you know? you know. If you're ever in need of anything, you know, we are here. Faith Unaltered is here. We will – if you need a mic stand, I will send you one if I have to, you know, uh, if that's the case. You know, I already got to get Dale's uh, – uh, 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 C fixed, and that's on his keyboard. I guess he needs oh, his C fixed because I was X's always tendency. wondering. Uh, so we need to get Dale a <laughs> oh, new laptop. You should have um, seen the master's yeah. thesis full of
1: <laughs> the, the spelling afterwards was fun, <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> but yeah, so you, you know, this is going to be fun, and I love yeah. the fellowship. And you know, yeah. you've got Tyler, who is excellent at throwing a freaking wrench into what you've been studying by asking you questions you'd haven't considered. So uh, he learned that from Josh Davidson. It's not original to him because he's a heretic, but it's, <laughs> it's okay. We love Tyler anyway, <laughs> but no, seriously. And then you got, you, you know, you got me and Dale who love this philosophy as well. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah. You, you know, I, I think we've all had several, long nights of discussion on these things i mean me and dale yeah. uh, dale would call me and we'd sit for a while just discussing this stuff and he would help me out trying to 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 run through some things and, and you and caleb were instrumental in helping me run through some ideas that i was trying to get around you that i, I couldn't properly explain even so i mean uh this has just been uh a long time in coming and uh since we're covering parts of these the, the problem of evil and stuff like that this stuff plays on a, a creative role into figuring out The truth sure and uh, You you know it's it's amazing to have you Here Travis thanks for coming Um, I don't know where your little RTB Sign is since you you Know know where you stand with that anymore
3: (laughs) Yeah yeah uh, Uh, Yeah Uh, so I'm in the Reasons to believe apologetics community uh, Where I kind of like highlight and Showcase a lot of their work Uh, I really yeah I'm still A a member and I really love doing that I, I think their ministry is incredibly Valued in fact it was uh, through uh, Hugh Ross's work, uh, like highlighting, I think it was like the local planetary fine tuning, uh, but that's what got me in, you know, to eventually become a Christian in the first place. So, yeah.
0: yeah. So, um, where oh. else can people find you, Travis? I mean, you, you know, you're part of our team as well. Sure. Um, but, like, I, I know you're starting a new phase in your life and uh. you're, you're talking about getting into. Uh, deeper into philosophy and religion and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I would just love to hear where uh, not only people can find you, and you know what you're planning for the future.
3: Yeah, thanks. So uh, I, I'm part of the, uh, the ministry I'm in right now. Is uh, I'm really you know he- pretty heavily involved in outreach ministry. You know, specifically to the home- homeless populations uh, in the Dallas, Texas area. Uh, so uh, I do that uh, and. Um, I'm really getting into, you know, of course, I love philosophy of religion and, uh, you know, just discussing these deep questions sort of in my spare free time. You know, I just have a love and passion for the philosophy of religion and the philosophy of science, too, and even how the two can uh, interact. And so, yeah. And, you know, one thing, you know, you were mentioning about disagreements. I think that is so valuable because disagreements, what they do is uh, they can help us to kind of, you know, shine the light of reason on, onto our path to see if maybe we're stumbling in the wrong direction or, uh, it can even help, you know, shape and, you know, shave away arbitrary aspects of our own theory to leave a more polished, robust version of it. And so, um, I think charitable dialogue and disagreement is incredibly value it has a real alethic value that, uh, I really appreciate. So
0: right on. Well, let's get into this guys. um, Travis, you, you've got the floor, brother. This is all you, man.
3: Okay, so uh, I'm just going to kind of go through some of the notes of have jotted down. Um, Tyler, if you want to go ahead and bring up uh, slide one, and I guess we'll just leave, leave the slides up until I just, like, run through this little presentation. Yeah, just tell me whenever to switch, and that'll be good. Okay, yeah. So uh, this is uh, what I'm going to be covering first is known as the defeat condition. So in his essay, The Defeat of Good and Evil, um Roderick Chisholm explained that an evil or suffering, uh, we can use it interchangeably, evil is defeated when it is integrated as a constructive part of a valuable composite whole that not only outweighs the evil, but could not be as valuable as it is without the evil. So in that instance, the evil remains evil in its own right, but it is defeated since it is made to be a good-making, non-regrettable part of the whole. Okay, so... It's also important to take into consideration that this argument I'm going to be presenting is teleological in that it looks uh, forward to the fulfillment of God's promises to explain present evil rather than the uh, Augustinian view of looking back to the fall for the explanation. It's a datum that, you know, a world where the highest virtues are displayed is a world with great value in it. It follows that an omnipotent, omniscient being would have strong reason to bring about such a world. The axiological framework we go with is going to be very important here. And so if you want to go ahead and go to the next one. Yeah, so we'll just leave it there. So what I'm going to be talking about now is the fine tuning of a saint fostering world. So basically if there is a best kind of world we would expect that kind of world given theism but it would be quite surprising to find ourselves in the best possible kind of world given the range of possible outcomes on the assumption of a chance hypothesis God who seeks value would be expected to create a world where the highest virtues can be pr- can be produced such as courage compassion kindness generosity benevolence mercy tolerance Honor, trustfulness, trustworthiness, responsibility, friendship, cooperation, diligence, discipline, helpfulness, gratitude, and especially empathy and forgiveness, which are among the highest manifestations of love, which is the highest of the virtues. So with this value driven approach, the fundamental assumption is that how one responds in life is more important than what happens to one. And that the best kind of life is the one exemplifying the highest virtues, and the greatest of these is love. I would propose that the best way to judge the moral value of a world is how it exemplifies the highest virtues. What God can be expected to want is a world in which the highest virtues are displayed. This involves two components uh, that can be expected. Uh, in a world that displays the highest uh, virtues. So we want to ask what God must bring about if he wishes to create a situation in which these virtues will be fostered. The logically necessary preconditions for the display of the highest virtues are evil of sufficient intensity, but not so intense so as to destroy the psyche of most of those in the situation, and of sufficient frequency to provide multiple multiple opportunities To form habits, but not too frequent, so as to yield too high a probability of complete demoralization of the souls of all who go through them. There must be a sufficient chance of success for a sufficient number of individuals. This gives us a sort of range of what we would expect to find, and the fine tuning of a virtue producing world. So, as we have on the screen, um, you know, the first world is uh, too frequent and too mild. Then there's too frequent and the right intensity. Three is too frequent and too intense. Four, right frequency and too mild. Five, right frequency and right intensity. Six is the right frequency and too intense. Seven, too infrequent and too mild. Eight is too infrequent and the right intensity. And nine is too infrequent and too intense. Okay. And so if you want to go to the next one, Tyler. Okay. So what I'm going to be going through now is that, uh, making the case that we find ourselves in a type five universe. This is a world that is a producer of much opportunity for and considerable exercise of virtue in this world. It is for people to lead lives, which they consider on the whole, uh, worth living. There's, a uh, this is, my, and I'm going to argue, this is much more to be expected given theism than naturalism. Naturalism leaves it leaves it to chance; it makes no predictions about what sort of world we would expect to find, whereas theism would predict a world where the highest virtues would be produced to bring about saints. I'm going to be making the case that theism actually entails that we find ourselves in a Type Five world. And so the basic argument is going to be the probability of a type five universe, given theism is one. A central theme here is the transformative uh, power of triumph over tragedy and the formation of virtuous saintly character. In the Bayesian formulation of this argument from evil, having made uh, the assumption that the hypothesis, hypotheses of theism and naturalism are roughly on par With respect to prior probability, the issue comes down to the likelihood ratios of the two hypotheses with respect to the facts concerning evil. So uh, as we go through the argument here, let S be the saint-seeking story about God wanting to bring about a world that offers ample opportunity for the development of the highest virtues for sainthood, which requires significant risk of abuse by morally significant agency. Let T be theism, and let N be naturalism, and let EH be the relevant data concerning evil and suffering. So we can define EH as, since very near the beginning of life's existence, there has been an abundance of intense suffering. That is, wherever there has been life, very significant levels of suffering have been quite common. Interestingly, uh, the relevant data can be seen through two different lenses. For example, uh, scientifically speaking, we would say that uh, if there's, let's say, a woman suffering intense pain and anxiety, we would consider this bad, right? But through a different lens, uh, we could say that, you know, this woman is about to give birth to her first child. And so viewing the relevant data through our axiological landscape is going to be very important here. So with that in mind, what I'd like to do is look at EH through the lens of God's plan. That is, having considered what kind of values God can be expected to have, and consequently, what kind of actions he is likely to take, we can sort of re describe the facts of EH. So we can define EH as since very near the beginning of life's existence, suffering has come about with a frequency and intensity which falls into the relatively narrow band with enough magnitude to foster saints but not so high as to widely overwhelm the majority of people or make the struggle futile. This data places our world in a certain class of worlds when theism says must exist if God exists. It also describes a class of worlds which it is permissible for God to create. So far as we know, since there is no evidence of any indefeasible evil, so the probability that we would observe E.H. given theism in, and the saint-seeking story is much higher than the probability of observing E.H. given naturalism. Okay, and so these uh, this is going to be the likelihood argument uh, for theism from evil. Uh, God is all-knowing and all- all-powerful. If God is all-knowing, then he will always accurately perceive the degree of goodness of states of affairs. Every good that God recognizes motivates God to bring it about in proportion to its goodness. God is most motivated to bring about some of the best kinds of goods from 1, 2, and 3. If God is all-powerful, nothing could prevent God from acting on his motives and, Allah for, uh, bringing about some of the best goods. Nothing could prevent God from acting on his motives and bringing about some of the best goods from 1 and 5. The best goods are the authentic display of agape love manifesting virtues. God will bring about a world ensemble fostering the authentic display of agape love manifesting virtues. From 4, 6, and 7. The authentic display of the highest virtues logically entails the occurrence of very significantly bad states of affairs, but not so bad as to cause widespread permanent despair. God will bring about a world ensemble described by E.H., from 8, 9, and the definition of E-H. So if you want to go to the next one. All right. So if 10, then theism strongly predicts E-H, which is the data regarding suffering. And so T strongly predicts E-H from 10 and 11. N for naturalism does not strongly predict E-H. And so E-H favors theism over naturalism from 12 and 13. And if you want to go to the next one. Okay, so this is basically the Bayesian uh, formulation of the argument for a saint fostering world. And it's going to be that uh, theism entails you know, the background knowledge that uh, God must create the best kind of world ensemble. And so from the background knowledge to S, it's the saint-seeking story. It's from the value of sainthood. From the saint-seeking story, it entails E.H. From that, sainthood requires very significant trials. So theism also entails E, H from A, B, and C. And if D, then the probability of E, H given theism is one. And so it follows the probability of E, H given theism is one from E and D. And so that's it.
2: Right on, right on. Let me get um, off of here. Go ahead, Travis.
3: Yeah, so I was going to say, you don't know, have a, um, a sort of a simplified uh, for those who are not really into Bayesian probability. Uh, one way to look at it is that premise one, a perfectly uh, a perfect being desires the best kind of goods. Premise two, a saint fostering world is the best kind of goods. And so the conclusion would follow that, therefore, a perfect being re- would desire a saint fostering world that is the best type of uh, world.
0: Right on, right on,
3: right on. And so, yeah, uh, I don't know if that was too, you know, if that uh, if you want me to elaborate or how you want to. It's it's very
0: deep. And this is what it I is. love about this topic. You know, um, I want to get in necessity. Are, OK, are we, are we um, I what's that? That's Dale?
1: I was just like, are we going to go around? Uh, we can. And, uh, um, you you
0: there, know, I don't mind.
3: Yeah. There's uh, some, some clarification. Yeah, there's some clarifications uh, that I want to make, too. And so far as like a a lot of the uh, objections, like you'll hear to why God permits states of affairs. So this is going to be really common with uh, some of the atheological arguments from evil uh, that it requires assumptions that the theist is not uh, necessarily obligated uh, to hold to. And so one of that is going to be what what kind of axiology we're, we're going off with. Like, are we going off of what's been coined the necessity condition or are we going off a defeat condition? Uh, I would propose that, you know, a canonical theism like Christianity is best explained through a uh, defeat condition. So mm-hmm. I can, I, I'd like to get into that here in a little bit too.
0: <laughs> okay. No, no, that's fine. I Absolutely. Uh, I'll, I'll start with you, Dale, since we started with you last, um, what do you, got so far what do you want to address so far
1: yeah so so in terms of the simplified argument the the way you phrased it again depending on uh perhaps depending on what the definition of saint fostering entails i think Mm -hmm. i fully agree with with that argument i wouldn't disagree with it but just uh, in terms of your things i have a few questions um so Mm -hmm. on slide one uh, okay. Well, so, so sorry, let me just ask this general question first um, when we're talking values. Cause I remember Joshua Davidson asked me like, what, what is a value? What, what is
3: that just in general? You're asking me what value is. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a, uh, it, it's a positive property. It, it's a um, like purely positive property that um, it, it's basically what's entailed from goodness. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. Uh, uh, the best way I, I can put it like this, the best way to know what value is, is through direct, direct awareness. Like I'm, yeah. I have direct awareness of value states. Uh, it's what it, it, it's a good positive property. Yeah. Uh, I, I, here's what. Yeah, would... the, yeah. That's the best way I can describe it is through direct awareness.
1: Okay. Well, let, let me know what you think of this. Cause the way I would yeah. define it is, um, ever since Josh, Josh asked me that, I, I thought about it. So I would say it's the qualia of significance, right. Of an, of a significance of a thing or whatever that we.
3: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the same thing. Like, uh, you just said. uh yeah, value state through direct awareness. I, I think that's good. I think, um, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, uh, now that I think about it, it kind of gave me an interesting perspective, like, okay, so how do we want to actually, you know, term this and, uh, yeah, so I th- I think
1: that's a very valuable thing to to bring up, and so yeah, awesome. All right, cool. So, um, on slide one, you said something that I might uh, object to. So, can um, we bring the slide back up, Dale? Yeah, if you don't mind. It it's or if not, I wrote it down. But okay, so it's this little hmm. bit here. So, okay, okay. integrated as a constitutive part of a valuable composite whole. Okay, so far so good. That mm-hmm. not only outweighs the evil but could not be as valuable as it is without the evil. right? Um, So it's that little part after the but that I'm not, I'm not sure about is necessarily have to always be the case. Right. So
3: again, would it it help to give some uh, examples? Sure. Go ahead. Yeah. So um, one of the biggest uh, examples is uh, in fact, it even says in this work that I'm quoting from, is that one uh, is the crucifixion of Jesus? So you know we would say that he experienced horrendous suffering, right? But he defeated, you know, the way he defeated his uh, evil. Uh, the sufferings it's not just with his subsequent resurrection, but because that suffering was integrated into a valuable composite redemptive whole. Uh, so it's that a value, it's a value part that becomes intergrained into the whole. Uh, another way to look at it is, uh, let's use the example of horrendous suffering. So it's going to be following from a lot of the work of Marilyn McCord Adams, who I love, brilliant philosopher. Yeah. Uh, she would say that, uh, you, know, you know, that through horrendous suffering, it's a way that the agent comes to identify with Christ and his sufferings and, and that he with their sufferings. That there's an intimate connection uh, and intimacy with Christ that makes it so valuable to the agent that it becomes non regrettable and self endorsing. Uh, And, and so that's, uh, you know, while they wouldn't necessarily wish it again, they don't regret it uh, because they see how it's part of their identity and what made them who they are in eternity. Uh, So, you know, when we look at, uh, when we look at this, you know, we have to consider the, uh, the agents on whole, like throughout their, you know, eternal life with uh with christ because you know theism entails an afterlife and so we have to take that into consideration it's really especially with this argument we have to always keep that in mind
2: so guys real quick i'm not to jump in on y'all's conversation but just for our listeners if you talk about nukes on our channel you will be blocked yeah, we're not going to talk. A, we're not
0: talking about prophetic what? stuff that's going to involve uh, nukes and nonsense. Zel West
2: was back. Um, West? Yeah, it's yeah. just uh, that's were overline. Blocking.
0: We're okay. we're not going to be dealing with uh, stuff that could actually get us in trouble with yeah uh, sponsorship and so yeah, forth. yeah. So
3: let's um, be let's be charitable. That's the best absolutely. way to have. Philosophical Absolutely. dialogue is with the spirit of charity. Absolutely. Yeah. And,
0: and, you know, we display that in every aspect that we try to. And everybody that's been on our show has said that that's what we do. And they're happy to come back on. And I tell you what, when you when you go too far, you go too far. And even, you know, we'll even be insulted. I don't care if we're insulted. But when you go past a certain certain point, we've got to stop you. And not I gotta let see, you I gotta uh, see the
1: the chat kind of thing, yeah, but I, we'll I don't know what he said. Like, it was what, what it was it was bad. It,
0: it was a little. We'll talk crazy. about it later. Okay. We'll talk about it later. But <laughs> well, guys, just so let the audience Travis. know. Um, yeah. Look, we're here for dialogue, discussion, yeah. fellowship, yeah. fun, and when you cross the line, you know. Um, I, you, David you know, will boot you. Look, <laughs> look you know look, when when you know I I I listen to talk radio most of my life. You know, and there's a certain point where people go too far and when you start mm-hmm. going that far, like if you're going to say you're going to assassinate somebody that's of a high rank or something, you're gone. You know, um, yeah. if you're going to talk about like, you know, nukes and, and stuff like that, you, about nuking a city and, and, and that's going to happen, Um you know, you're all a suspect looks at that point, you know, um, so you're getting booted. So praise God. We love yeah. Jesus. And you know what? God will have his vengeance when he has his vengeance and uh, he'll do what he has to do. If you're part of my atheist crew, he'll do nothing anyway. So you don't have to worry about it. So, uh, but uh, we're yeah. not going to let you talk nonsense and we're not going to we're not, we're not going to let it get past a certain point. And that's the only point I'm going to make.
3: Yeah, and you know, to kind of touch on that, uh, you know, I I I think the audience are, are so valuable. I, I mean, I can't even describe how valuable they they are uh, to me. And you know, and and so we kind of want to have this like a, an open, like a charitable spirit of conversation because that's the best way. You know, we're going to kind of shine the light of reason onto our path together is by exploring. Reality get together using the light of Reason and to kind of use the light of reason We need a, a certain spirit Of charity uh, and with Right one so another.
0: yeah So I'm gonna let you guys get back to it I uh, okay. just wanted to announce that as as Me and Tyler both uh, executive Hosts and you know Dale's Part of the team and you're part of this team so we Just wanted to announce that so uh, uh, Dale and And Travis uh, continue guys
1: Cool. Yeah, yeah. I trust you guys to handle the the chat and yeah, and do what you guys want to do. So, um, with faith and all. Through. So, all right. Cool. So,
3: did I did I answer your your question, or do I need to elaborate, or do you want to repeat it and I answer it again? Or um, so
1: I, I think you answered it, but I, I just want to give kind of uh, my own clarifying example and see how you respond to
3: this. Sure. Okay. Um, that might be valuable. Yeah. And, and
1: so I, I know the the fall isn't popular for you or whatever from an orthodox standpoint, but mm-hmm. just in you know however you define the fall that that event kind of thing okay um okay well, how was i going to yeah um okay so cool so saint uh sainthood is the end goal that you think is good that justifies all the evil in in this world type thing could we have achieved that that good without the need to have gone through uh all of the evils and sufferings in this world because I would answer that, yes, it's logically possible. Yeah,
3: I I would say it's, uh, and and that's a good question. I think that's a valuable clarifying question, you know, when we consider the fall. I I would say that it it is uh, logically possible. What I I would kind of need to think about, though, is uh, I'm not willing to say that it's, you know, the virtues would be exemplified to the degree that they are without the suffering. I, I think... Uh, You know, part of the defeat condition is that it wouldn't have the value that it has had the suffering not occurred. And so it is important to be clear that the evil remains evil in its own right. We don't say that evil becomes good because God uses it for his good. No, evil remains evil in its own right, but it's defeated since it's integrated into a valuable composite whole.
0: Um, so Travis, let me just jump in here. Uh, yeah, I just because doesn't something session. hold on, hold on one second. 10% doesn't 10%. something have to be for for the defeat condition to exist? Something has to be present necessarily to be defeated, right?
3: Well, it's kind of like I was saying uh, that there are uh, certain states of affairs. Yeah, that uh, that uh, Saint Fostering World uh, sort of predicts. So uh, it's important to realize that we're going off two. There's kind of two arguments playing together. There's uh, the notion of defeat and a virtue-based axiology, where, you know, the accumulation of the virtues is the highest good. And uh, this is like, you know, Tyler would know, this is like really prominent in Eastern Orthodox, and we talk about defeating the passions uh, by cultivating the virtues. So a lot of this is actually from the Orthodox. But, um, yeah, so... Did that answer your?
0: You know. uh, not really, but in a way, in a way. But I'm going to let Dale get his question as well. well no, uh, <laughs> follow,
3: follow, uh, follow up because I, I want to answer you know to your satisfaction. So um, my idea yeah.
0: is is does something actually necessarily it's like something to be defeated there has to be something to be defeated for the defeat uh, condition to actually exist. Like something would have had to happen right. necessarily. Yeah. To, so, so, and this would, this would also play into Dale's box of mm-hmm. would it been necessary for the fall to even occur? Right. Dale? right. Am I correct here? So I need or, to interject. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Interject all you want, brother.
3: Yeah. Because I, I see kind of what, what's happening is uh, I'm going off to, uh, different arguments, and they're kind of being uh, assimilated here. Where I, I don't think they fair enough. Anything. Fair enough. Um, so when it comes to the defeat condition, uh, what that is, uh, it, it's not the kind of world that we, you know, it, it's not like uh, how can I explain this? It's why God would permit a certain state of affairs, but it, it's the reason I'm saying that God permits the these states of affairs is to cultivate virtues. That that's His end goal. But it just so happens that cultivating virtues has these sort of logical entailments that uh, like I went into that, you know, bad states of affairs. Uh, And so what it is, is that when God creates this kind of world, he is is sort of an agreement that he has with creation that he will not permit any creature to suffer beyond what they what can be defeated. Uh, And and so it's uh, the defeat condition is not really a positive argument. It's like it's in terms of what God States of affairs God is willing to permit.
0: So it's a defensive argument. A yes. Way. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so, it's, not,
3: it's not a positive. You know. It's yeah.
0: All right, Dale. I'll, I'll let you follow up. I'll, I'll I'll take a back seat to this.
3: Okay.
1: Just yeah. Just a simple kind of. I wanted to ask you about a possible counterexample um, mm. to what you were saying um, in the last. Answer. Although you you did admit that it is logically possible, so it sure. might not apply. But okay, um, I just wanted to raise the issue of look. So in terms of this good that you're talking about, this sainthood mm-hmm. thing, you you've kind of expanded a little bit. What what is that? And you're one of these. Are you have this virtuous character, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, obviously, the evils are are not necessary to get there because I mean God he's a quote unquote saint because he's got this morally Mm -hmm. virtuous character. So do Mm -hmm. certain angels like Gabriel. So how would you deal with counterexamples who would say like, no, humans didn't need to go through that. Cause look at God and God was virtuous without uh, becoming a sinner and stuff like that.
3: Right. So when it comes to angels um, we, we don't have a lot of explanatory power uh, there. Uh, We're, Completely in the dark about you know what kind of how they build their virtuous character and and so forth but When it comes to it um, I would say that it's not logically uh, Impossible for like virtues to be built in the absence of uh, This but I would say that the best kind of world that exemplifies the highest virtues uh, Does have, have these sort of logical entailments of bad states of affairs and so what might be valuable here is to kind of go through uh, the slide with the world ensembles where we look at, uh, you know, what kind of range uh, God would be likely to to permit. So, you know, there. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, if it's it's too frequent uh, and, and too mild, you know, it's not going to build uh, the right kind of virtues or likewise, if it's too infrequent, but the right intensity. And so there's there's these various like uh, fine tuning of a world that can produce uh, the right kind of mm-hmm. virtue that um, will, will kind of, you know, necessitate being in a type five universe. Cool.
1: Thank you. Yeah. That's, that's it for my initial questions. So awesome. Tyler, Tyler
3: um,
0: I want to go to you, brother. Um, do you have anything to say on this so far, brother? Yeah. Right. My ortho bro.
2: I mean, not right now. You guys are pretty deep into it uh, for myself. I mean, Travis has clarified what he means by, uh saint building we were doing some talking off air about mm. this and i think the question uh Dell that you raised was was an interesting one um so guys I, I think i'm gonna pass uh for right now well, and then fun. i'll jump um in, uh, here in a little bit
3: so yeah uh just go, real go quick ahead. what i was gonna say is uh you know my my, my philosophy bro uh tim howard was gonna um unfortunately uh, it looks like he's still at work he was he wanted to come on too but, um, yeah, so he has his own version where uh, there's a certain range, uh, like, within this defeat condition and axiology. So he kind of has this idea of the kind of world that Guy would create would be uh, victorious, where we uh, are vic- victors over certain things. And so he has a really interesting way. Uh, of doing that, so th- what I'm going off of is mainly like Trent Doherty's thesis uh, of a St. Fostering world. So to, to be clear, this is Trent Doherty's argument. Uh, yeah, and, and I
0: kind of, I kind of guessed when I heard, I heard some Dortyism in you.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, what it is is I think. As- good. I mean, he's a I
0: probability take, guy, so
3: yeah, I, I take as it. I take aspects of Trent Doherty's work along with John Schneider. And uh, the late Marilyn McCord Adams. As uh, long as it's
0: not Richard Swinburne, uh, <laughs> oh, I, really I, I love I Swinburne, you
3: but I, I, was I actually, you, Travis, I, I have some critiques of the way he handled the problem of
0: evil. I, I, oh, I I'm sure you do. Yeah, uh, from what I'm hearing, you would. Um, so I, I get back to uh, like. This idea of necessity because you know, I'm really interested. And in my field, phil- in you know, my area of, of philosophy that I'm truly mm-hmm. interested in, as long you know, as well as theology is the omniscience aspect, right? Right. Um, we could never go too deep into that, you know. And mm-hmm. my idea is is of necessity. So again, with with like something like like you were talking about with Tim with something to be victorious over, there'd be something we'd have to uh be victorious in right, right? there's we'd have it, sort of would yeah we'd yeah. have to dominate yeah. something and we get that in the very uh first chapters of Genesis when it talks about God uh give you know wanting right, us have right. dominion over the earth and stuff like that and that's a violent term in the Hebrew of subduing you know and I've stuff that, like that. Yeah. So so my my aspect and this is where Dale and me were disagreeing last week is is okay. that you know, God could create a perfect world logically and stuff like that. But sure, if we're given the omniscience of God, wouldn't the, the necessity entail the fact that He knew we would go through this? And because of that, from the very beginning, He would know what we were going through and that we would need all this and, well, and we, He would need to actualize this world. And I don't want to put Him in a box, right? Like, I'm not trying to put God yeah. in a box, right? But I'm trying to say, he knew, and because of the fact he knew, he actually actualized, uh, and he actualized the yeah. best possible state we could achieve those virtues in.
3: Yeah. So, does that make sense? It it, it does. Uh, and, and as a matter of fact, I, I want to agree with you. Like, given my uh, the way I view freedom and foreknowledge, because uh, I believe that God does know our future. You know, free acts. Uh, Although I'm a bit of a mysterian on, on how he has that knowledge. But, um, you know, I, I, th- I think um, open theism is, is uh, a, a coherent view whereby uh, that may not be a, a factor. So it's not necessarily a given, but I'm inclined to think it is a given um, that, that he would uh, know that. But uh, another thing to consider is that um, the high... the uh, the value you know and and this is just uh my own personal views i don't think it would have the value it does had like something real not occurred that we overcome uh if it was just sort of given to us um yeah I, i don't think that would be the most valuable state of affairs to pain uh i actually think uh that it's more valuable to have overcome something
0: so don't you yeah so so he would because we're looking at so, our lives on yeah. the whole like uh yeah we have and, to and so, consider the butterfly effect
3: right right and so what what this uh the central thesis here is that what's uh important is how one responds in life that's more important than necessarily what happens in this temporary phase of our existence
0: uh absolutely and, agree and so absolutely yeah, agree. yeah
3: yeah I, I would take your side uh on, on that
0: Yeah. So, yeah. And that's why, you know, I understand why, why William Lane Craig said, you know, God's given the hand he's dealt. Now I know that doesn't sound right. right. You know, it doesn't sound right to our reformer buddies, but if you look at it from the, the, the aspect of necessity and you look at it from the aspect of what he actualized and what he knew. Mm -hmm. And like you said, there's part of it that, that is mysterious. I mean, we can't, we can't, we that's why I'm not mine. a mind. Yeah. We cannot, well, and this is why I am a Molinist because we okay. can't mine the depths of foreknowledge, and, and we can't, right. or, or the depths omniscient. So we can't mine the depths of that because it keeps going for us because we're finite, right. and yeah. omniscience is a quality that's eternal.
3: Oh exactly like you know in my model of god I would hold that god's essence is uh even beyond being he's not a being amongst beings he's beyond being itself uh and the the only way that we can know of god is through his divine energies his activities of grace like creation uh, mercy yeah, well, is good I
0: wouldn't I wouldn't probably phrase it as energies like you eastern orthodox do because I would probably say it sounds new age <laughs> i'd probably give it an older term i probably give it i probably give it it's a just aquinas term well it's just imminence and transcendence.
3: transcendence that's all it is Imminence, uh you know yeah, he's transcendent know he's and he's it, imminent yeah. everywhere yeah, so. but
0: yeah uh, other people might not accept that one. well gotcha. i wonder
2: if he yeah. would say the same thing with paul using inner chaos but that's just yeah opinion. well you know that's all <laughs> yeah,
0: paul. paul paul is a different creature paul is pretty awesome in every respect and he uses verbiage that and he didn't that, sound that, new that, age it. It. but because <laughs> new age didn't exist <laughs> <laughs> new age didn't exist Nosticism is older exists. that's the point <laughs> gnosticism Sorry. existed but no no seriously guys I, I know dale wanted to come back on something dale yeah, um i want to give you the floor here too
1: yeah, well I wanted to respond to you like I realize Travis is the guest so it's not about my view but David I, I'm not dis- I'm actually not disagreeing with you and I, I won't go Whoa. to a detailed explanation because again it's about Travis's views not mine but um again there's a difference between a logical possibility and metaphysical possibility and I I would agree with you it's metaphysically impossible but what is it what is it that allows god to know it's it's our wills that makes it metaphysically impossible it's just the case that Given our free will, we would not choose to not sin or to not fall or something like that.
3: So, like trans world depravity, kind of
1: thing. Well, yeah, like, but again, trans world would say that it's logically impossible, right? Where I'm just mm-hmm. saying there's there's no feasible world. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: I, and I understand where you're coming from, Dale. I I do, but with with the idea of omniscience, I don't know even if that possibility logically could exist because i can't describe a world where that would be the case and that's one of the 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 prerequisites of that worldview and i can't think of a world where that that is the case logically well, it, it, if do, i can, don't I can't. What, what's yeah i can't
1: contradictory about that
0: uh the fact that that how does that look how does that play out how does that really uh play out logically and I can't like in the actual way, world. Yes, you know. I can't think of a way that that, that could be actual. So I, that's why I can't, I can't think of it logically as possible. Okay. Well, uh so that's just me. Yeah, I can. Yeah. Uh, how? I, I would love
1: to. Easy. I love you. Okay. Here, example. There. To keep things simple, Adam and Eve they're faced. In, and sorry, Travis, I'm interrupting you. And this is no, your, you're
3: not. No,
0: no. I'll shut <laughs> up to this. But I, I do. Have a I would just love to hear. Comments. We're all fellowshipping, guys. This is yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: Okay, so look, how how would it look? Great, uh, Adam and Eve they're in the garden to keep things simple. Satan's tempting them to eat the fruit. They don't. They instantly, immediately are transformed to the end state, the same state we're going to be on, you know, post judgment day, and then we continue on in eternity. Obviously, that part's logically possible, right? So I'm just saying we don't have to go through the middle phases to get there.
2: So let me jump in real quick. Is it logically possible given that Christ was crucified before the foundation of the world? Is it logically possible that Christ was crucified? No, no. Is it logically possible to do everything you just said, Dale, given that Christ was crucified before the foundation of the world?
1: Well, this is talking about God. He was crucified in light of the fact that he knew through his middle knowledge that we, that there's no metaphysically, uh, there's no feasible world that God could actualize where we as free will creatures would, would not sin. Right. Every actualized world that, uh, where we have free uh, right. will, we choose to sin. Right. Uh So that's why he's cr- crucified from the foundation
3: of the world. In right. So, the I think so, that's a valuable question to ask Tyler. Uh,
2: so given that, right. So let's go a step further. Given that, is it, logically possible to do what you just said with Adam and skip all the middle middle you know the middle steps given that God's middle knowledge I don't want to say dictates because I don't want to sound like a determinist here but at the same time God knows that there is no feasible world in which we're going to uh, not sin right and skip all that which is why like David always says Christ is plan a from the very get-go it just those two things don't seem to connect for me
1: well it's because you think that his middle knowledge is playing a determining I just said I'm not
2: trying to do that no I I know knowledge knowledge isn't causative.
1: so then what's the issue about his knowledge at all if if his knowledge um come comes from the fact that he knows what every free creature would freely do and then he chooses to actualize this world Right. That's why he has to crucify mm-hmm. them. But it's still logically possible that they wouldn't sin, and then Christ would not have been crucified from the foundation of the world. So that guess. Is, is contingent upon him actualizing a feasible world whereby people would choose to sin and stuff.
2: Okay. Does that gotcha. make sense? No, not really, but okay. I don't want to camp on this all day, so that's no fine. No problem. <laughs>
0: okay, cool. so that was a good response, though. I, I do gotta that. That's something that I'll I'll even consider more because um, mm-hmm. that that's something that that you gotta factor in as well. Um, so I do it have doesn't a, it doesn't make, make sense to me. But yeah, uh, I'm with Tyler on that fact. But yeah, it's it's definitely something that I'm gonna look more into as I write my thesis. Thank you, Dale Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah I do so it, that's one of the so...
3: values of, of, of like yeah. these conversations. They're truth tracking. Exactly. True. Exactly. Right. But, so, uh, yeah.
2: Yeah, let me jump in, uh, so I'll, I'll take my turn now. But, uh, but Travis, so let me ask you this. So I was listening to uh, Welcome to the Orthodox Church uh, by Frederick and Matthew Greens uh, last okay. night, right? Great book. Okay. And um, she was talking about the fall and how not only— are our wills been affected by sin, but our noose, right? Our mind, our reasoning faculties.
3: Yeah, the the noose is is sort of, uh, it's not just reason, it's like how we come to actually know God.
2: uh, Sure, 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 sure. So given that, and and given that what I see in church history is that it seems like the church fathers have a different understanding of suffering than, you know, our atheist Uh, friends do today. My question is... Yeah. Okay. Do you think the fall has something to do with that? Or how would you kind of work that out? Why, why is it? Why do we see suffering as such a horrible thing? But when, whenever we look at the church fathers, it seems like they're almost ready to be martyred and to suffer in gotcha. the name of Christ
3: yeah and in fact uh this is so valuable tyler i was wanting to get into this aspect and you just transitioned brilliantly uh so i I really (laughs) yeah i I appreciate because this is uh this is a big part of my thesis is the uh the saints and martyrs like you know um because you know orthodoxy holds the martyrs in very high esteem uh, very high Mm -hmm. and, and so uh basically uh, that would we'll kind of come back to: Are we looking at a necessity condition? or Are we looking at a defeat condition? I would argue that the defeat condition is more uh, in line with a true canonical theism, like Christianity and the early Church Fathers. Uh, and this kind of w- the view the Church Fathers had works really well with Marilyn McCord Adams' uh, thesis of like intimacy with Christ. Uh, you'll notice that, uh, like, look at uh, the martyrdom of ignatius of antioch uh how he rejoiced at the fact that he was going to be torn apart by wild animals like that's like the most torturous horrible horrible way to die but uh it, it was uh, you know but he even said uh that you know he would have the intimacy with christ in his sufferings and the sufferings of christ that he would share that with christ uh and that had such a value to it that uh he went to his torturous death uh, victorious that he uh, He it, it, he Didn't even have to wait until the afterlife As he was suffering he was Victorious uh, uh In defeat of his evils because Of the value of being intimate With Christ uh, to such A degree yeah. uh, That you know that made it non regrettable uh, Yeah And, and so I, I think that that's Perfectly in line with the defeat condition And you know there's other uh, saying, you know I, I could go through like uh, All the same you know they rejoiced At the fact of uh, That intimacy with Christ that, that had A value to it that Defeated any suffering that they Went through and um, You know I, I think you Also bring up a good point that You know modern you know in our modern Age uh, we're not nearly as tough As a lot of the church fathers are Or were uh, and, and so yeah, I, I think there's but Travis.
0: Uh, you know, I, I got to tell you, I think the the people of World War II were probably tougher than probably any person in history. Um, yeah, um, what, what, <laughs> that was crazy, man. I, but then what, again, I have you ever read? Uh, and, and this is just off the cuff. dude.
3: Okay, um,
0: just just for fun. Uh, actually, it's not fun because it really happened. But uh, yeah. there's some um, um, quotes that I read when I wrote uh, my chapter in uh, Surviving Corona. Where mm. they would discuss some of these plagues that happened, these epidemics. Uh they weren't pandemics because they didn't even have an idea of what the world really was, but right. um they had these some of these epidemics where where people would just like throw up entrails and stuff like that, and and they would describe some of the most horrendous type of
3: sickness. Yeah.
0: You know, so, and that just is like, wow. You know, and you know it, it and you know what, and you're gonna love this, you're gonna really love this, yeah. is that in these homilies that we hear from the church fathers that existed oh, yes. during these times, yes. uh, you'll see that the Christians, unlike the pagans and uh, some of the secularists that, that were of that time – and I call them secularists of that time. They are probably pagan too, just yeah. didn't know which ones they were. But yeah. uh, they they would leave the city, and they'd often either leave their dead in the beds or they would put them outside. And the Christians – would actually go into the homes. Hmm. They would go into the houses and be with those people as they breathe their last. They would they would yeah. carry them out on their shoulders, the dead, and try to give them some sort of burial, you know, whether they were right. of the same faith or not. Yeah, and this yeah. is what really convinced me of how Christians handle death and how they handle oh. suffering. Right, with the love of jesus christ yes you, you know there a famous russian said this and there is a, a a pastor that brought it up that i won't name but he said without the hope of the resurrection man is hopeless without the yeah. hope of jesus christ uh, you know well, what yeah for?
3: so so um you know, the church fathers and you know christians uh you know just broadly uh they, they kind of went off this uh, notion that, you know, th- the highest joy is in, you know, participation uh, in theosis, which is basically are pr- we're, we're in cr- being in Christ and sharing in the love of the Trinity through Christ. Uh, that's the, the gospel, uh, basically. And that's the highest uh, value that, you know, defeated any kind of suffering. And, you know, uh, w- whether it's, you know, in World War One Or, you know, uh, the church fathers, because a a lot of the uh, the fathers went, you know, they uh, they went to their deaths like victorious. And um, they they, especially with Ignatius of Antioch, uh, he didn't want like he wanted to make sure that he was crucified. He even asked the uh, the church, don't pray that I should be set free, but pray that I may be uh, unified to Christ in his sufferings.
0: And he was a Uh, Protestant, right? (laughs)
3: <laughs> no,
0: no, but Athanasius was I
3: yeah, mean you no.
0: know when he was when he was when he was when he was actually rejected by all of the church you well, know what he, says? he really said he said sola scriptura here.
2: I didn't know Protest, I didn't know Protestants <laughs> venerated icons just, yeah. just, that's just,
0: go ahead guys I'm, I'm just teasing well, I do not uh, yeah, that, that in there just, just yeah right. uh, that, well, that guys, aside really but, good I, I really yeah, love this the conversation
3: yeah, it's the Christian uh, church. If you if you want to think about, uh, you know, for Protestants, you could just think about it of like you know the Universal Church of who who are in Christ. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. I was just teasing. Yeah, just teasing but teasing it, it's Christian Christians <laughs> have a, Christians have a different axiology, like uh, the axiology that a lot of like you'll see like atheists sort of presupposes what's known as like uh, a necessity condition that uh, you know they, they look at like a human of normative ethics would, uh, like, only allow bad states of affairs uh, that, you know, uh, that he can't otherwise, you know, create, or, you know, without the evil having occurred, or if uh, he, if preventing it, you know, would uh, cause some greater evil than he's authorized, you know, there's certain uh, reason, you know, like normative reasons, uh, and and I would just completely reject that, uh, that axiology. Uh, And I would say it's not applicable. And uh, another thing that um, I would kind of, you know, you you hear a lot of this idea of like comparing God to a a parent, like, uh, well, we wouldn't, you know, do this to our children. We wouldn't be so hidden. We would give them good things. Uh, uh, You you hear this a a lot. And um, it's based on some fundamental misunderstandings uh, that number one, it's uh, I would say that humans, uh, you know, Moral agents are likewise, uh, that we are under a defeat condition too. Uh, just like God, we have the same moral uh, obligations of a defeat condition. And where you really see the notion of defeat, uh, in human agents is through things like, uh, tragic art, like the aesthetic expression of tragic art. That's where you know we can, uh, kind of like endorse some form of evil, but it's for the purpose of defeating it and making it more valuable. Uh, and, and so humans are under a defeat condition too But what differentiates us is God's omnipotence Because God is unique in his power Such that he is able to defeat nearly any In all circumstances of evil And we're not We're, you know, finite uh, creatures And so uh, the it, it would be too big of a disanalogy Because given God's omnipotence He's able to allow states of affairs that he can defeat And we as human parents and so forth couldn't really use that uh analogously all right um so i have a
1: two i have a two-pronged two-pronged question then so okay so in <laughs> the first place uh premise five uh if you want if someone's able to bring that up yeah um okay so the first part of my question is just more of a clarification thing sure um let's wait for this
2: premise. one or uh, it'll have the number
1: five on it so Hold it's on.
3: yeah, it's going to be this one. No. Oh, sorry. Yeah. There we go. If, go ahead, Travis.
1: If God is all powerful, nothing right. could prevent God from acting on his motives and stuff like that. So
3: mm-hmm. uh,
1: I just wanted to clarify by by pre- prevent. I think I agree with you. Like nothing externally could prevent God from acting on his motives and uh, to bring about these best goods.
3: Right. Um, There's no logical contradiction there. Yeah. Okay. Uh,
1: but would you also um, admit that God could perhaps refrain as a, a libertarian free will agent from creating, for example? And-
3: yes, I, I don't uh, hold that uh, he has to create. Uh, the way I look at it is uh, what's known as the Dionysian principle that Dionysus really did this that uh, goodness is diffusive of itself and thereby of being. And so God, as perfect goodness, has reason. To bring about good states of affairs, you know, valuable uh, states of affairs in the moral, aesthetic, and alethic domains, right? But uh, he doesn't have to. When it comes to that, I would just say that he has no reason not to. That, you know, goodness is just diffusive of itself, and he has no reason not to create. And so, yeah, okay. but he doesn't have to.
1: Okay, Um Okay, cool. So, so in that light, I guess my my next question that I was getting to may not may not work, but for for my notion, I do think God as a real maximally great being, uh, having all the great making properties to the maximal possible degree, uh, he would have to actualize the greatest states of affairs, and this is why I argue there's at least two, uh, or possibly more, best possible worlds, and this oh, okay. Is, uh, so this is where I wanted to ask you about the range. Um, gotcha.
3: Yeah. Uh, so, I have a lot to say here. So yeah, go ahead. Oh,
1: yeah. Cool. So, so um obviously if, if it's possible God does not create and stuff, right. So you mm-hmm. you're, you were kind of saying, you mentioned something as well, but that there's more value, it's more valuable to overcome sin and stuff like that or sure. to overcome something in Satanhood. But I'm wondering if that's true because I would say that there's an equally valuable world, the God alone world, where He doesn't create, He doesn't overcome uh, mm-hmm. evil or anything like that, or have to deal with it and defeat it. But that's equally valuable. So, so in the first place, I just want right. to show you are does your range allow for differing values, or are they all of equal value? Um, and then, what's your notion of, of this next thing that about the God alone? world being equal as equally valuable as this one and hello to uh Lace. <laughs> no there's casey kelsey kelsey kelsey, kelsey. Uh, i knew you, there was kelsey. a c <laughs>
0: we love you kelsey
1: Hope
3: I... you have fun. so um yeah so i, I there's a lot uh i kind of like to touch on uh here when it comes to this uh so with the the god alone world um the way I, I view it is that you know kind of like i was saying that uh god doesn't have to create but if there's no reason for him not to create um I, but when it comes to like because uh, let, let's say that god has no limits with regard to value right so it could be that he actualizes every possible valuable state of affair um i i think that's possible in fact uh Nevin Kleimanhaga has a really good paper on this called Infinite Value in the Best of All P- Possible Worlds that I highly recommend. And uh, he would, you know, because uh, this would even predict like a multiverse and that any valuable state of affair that can obtain, God will create it. Uh, and uh, I, I'm very sympathetic to that. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily on board with it, but uh, I, I don't have any problem with it.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. And so, same here. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't believe in actual infinite, so that's why I kind of rule that out and stuff. But yeah, I, I read. Well, it. It, are killing
0: me here. This yeah, fascinating it, in every degree.
3: Well, it, yeah, it, it's um, it, it's kind of like the, the idea that. Uh, You know, if one because you think about like, why would God create, you know, like such an old universe? Well, you know, it has an aesthetic beauty to it. And it's through like learning of the cosmos that we can do science. And that's a valuable good. And that, you know, there are these uh, valuable states with uh, the cosmos, right? And so if you think about it, if one valuable or if one beautifully highly ordered cosmos unfolding is a valuable thing, then perhaps an infinite or near infinite set of. You know, universe unfolding, or an even better thing. Um, I, I don't is know. Value, but I do leave that open. Is
0: yeah. value a deciding factor in God's uh, uh, in nature? Is it, it? Does he have to? Is he kind of controlled by it, or does is there uh, something overarching over um, that? And I, I that's say- what it, it just blows my mind because. I I'm I'm thinking that I I don't want to say that value. I I don't want to move the horns of the utifero argument. (laughs) Right. Right. Because I Um, don't think that's, I don't think that's, that's the case, but because God is who he is.
3: Yeah. So, you You know, you bring up something. Yeah. You bring up something uh, very valuable, David. And so the, the question kind of becomes like, well, why does God pursue virtue? Like, you know, value States. Right. Um, like, the, you know, why, and I would say that it's logic, you know, that it's sort of like entailed from absolute perfection that God is, uh, unlimited, you know, perfection with no arbitrary limits or, or boundaries, uh, and, and that you know, He's maximal goodness, maximal, uh, uh, value, uh, you know, He's value without limits, and that it it's just epistemically teased out from the initial hypothesis of perfection. I think with absolute perfection, it just sort of entails. That he will pursue these good states of affairs. So, was
0: it necessary
3: for him to pursue those states of affairs? Uh, well, it's kind of like I said; it's not necessary that he do it, but he has reason to do it and no reason not to do it. So, 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 reason does th- that. Reason does play a factor. Which, I, I, which, which, I, I, I think I it think, does.
0: I think you know, envelops a, a a beautiful tapestry of the personage of God
3: that's uh that's interesting uh valuable. i appreciate uh you mentioning that that's, that's something i want to uh think about a little more yeah it's good cool. me
0: too man i'm thinking about it right now and yeah yeah more as well i know. mean it's these really are
3: awesome. fast faci- it's fascinating. fascinating topics yeah i mean because we're looking at the yeah. foundation at the very foundation of reality uh Re- really yeah and, and, and like and what the, kind of properties can we epistemically tease out from that foundation and
0: and, and reality uh that surpasses our reality, that, that surpasses a infinite being that we could probably only touch the garment of, right? Oh, it, sure. it, it, it's so beautiful because we see this tapestry in the gospel where uh, uh Veronica, as you guys would know, um it ends up uh the woman with the with the blood issue, yeah. uh, ends up just desiring to touch the Garment, and, and we his know that energies flow out the, from it. Yeah. The 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 Zeke the you know, that's tzitzik right. yeah. of the, uh and I probably butchered that. I'm sorry, my, I know uh, what you mean, observant friends. <laughs> um But they touch the garment. She touches the very the the tassels of that garment, and is healed. You know, it, it's just, it blows my mind. That, and, that's a and good. Like this blows my mind. Yeah. You know, we're, we're talking about it. it you, you opened a new door for me in, in this aspect of discovering that, you know, the problem of evil can connect to these different aspects in in certain ways. Like like I never thought about that.
3: Yeah. And so like Trent Doherty, he has like an argument because he's saying that, you know, the states of affairs, you know, that uh, like, you know, uh, and I'm, this is a good transition into this part too, is that, uh, you know, it it would sort of uh, predict almost, that you know, these certain states of affairs obtain, And so it's like, um, I think this is very valuable for you know uh, considerations within the philosophy of li- religion more broadly, because you know when we're looking at a hypothesis or theory of ultimate reality, we're looking at something that can best explain the states of affairs and observations we find in the world, right? And one criticism I, I have of both uh, atheists and uh, a lot of theists is they tend to gloss over the other side's arguments. Uh, like for example. Uh, you will see atheists, you know, use the, the make the objection of divine psychology to fine tuning arguments, uh, but then they turn around and use it for divine hiddenness arguments and problem of evil arguments kind of like necessitate uh, divine psychology. And, and and then it's I've noticed that um, atheists tend to gloss over fine tuning evidences, whereas theists tend to gloss over uh, the the datum of evil and suffering uh and so, this is, right and, and so, yeah, I see that on both sides, kind of like glossing over the natural theology and then likewise the atheological arguments. And so, this would be an interesting way that we would kind of expect to observe uh, consciousness, fine tuning, uh, moral knowledge, uh, you know, uh, the intelligibility of the cosmos, beauty. Uh, but we would also uh, have an explanatory mechanism for the sufferings we find uh, that it's part of this value, saintly world, Uh, and so we would have an explanatory power that would kind of unify these independent uh, data pieces into a coherent uh, axiological explanation, so that's why I wanted to say that, uh, you know, in the title it's The Explanatory Power of Axiology because it will kind of lead us to expect the observations we find in the world, and it wouldn't uh, wouldn't gloss gloss over the natural theology, but it also wouldn't gloss over the atheological arguments. But I would...
0: I would also tell you to hold off on just saying axiology. I, I you know, I, I look at these as, as three circles that intertwine with theology being right smack dab in the middle. Um, Is said theology? Say like, yeah, theology, right? And smack dab yeah. in the middle where, where you would, wouldn't even expect it. But like, I would say well, that. To understand reality, you would need philosophy, epistemology, and axiology. I would say all of those aspects to Mm. really understand the nature of reality, and that you know what theology is in the middle because theology, the theism of this this particular worldview, is true. Right,
3: Uh, and so you know, I I may have said
0: that wrong, but you know, I
3: I I, I get what you're saying. Like part of uh, you know my assumption of, of my argument is that. Uh, I'm assuming that theism entails the saint-seeking story. Is, you know, given that axiology, that I'm saying that uh, I, I, I think it would just be entailed that theism just sort of entails a saint-seeking story. That if he creates at all, he will create a saint-fostering world, uh, well, he, with a- the possibility of also creating any valuable states. I, I hold that open too, but.
1: Okay, here, here's a question. And uh, after that, I, I, we can turn it to Tyler because I feel bad for him. He's, get, he's getting, uh, oh, no, you don't mind. Okay, he's cool. falling
0: asleep. <laughs> here,
3: so here, here's a question. I'm sorry, I'm I, with I dealt
0: with that when he came to visit me. We're in the middle of a conversation. I looked over. I even took a picture of it. Maybe I'll upload it here and show it to you guys one day. Oh, but man. I actually had him sleeping as I was talking to him. Me and, him, <laughs> no, would, I, uh, me and him would sit and talk theology for like three hours on things. Oh, wow. and me and him listen. just had built my wine rack in the corner and we sat down. We we're starting to talk about like different books. We liked and and different theology books. We liked And, and like he was falling asleep as we were talking. It about got this. to
2: a point where David just kept repeating himself. And then I was just like, yeah. oh, no, it wasn't well.
0: that it was the fact that we were out in this hot sun all day. <laughs> we, we went to Maybe DC probably. and we went to Fredericksburg and we set out in the sun for like hours and like some of those pictures in the beginning of like the intro video, you see, is we had already been out there for like a couple hours, yeah. uh, uh, like laughing. And me and him were actually sitting uh, in front of an ice cream place in Fredericksburg, downtown Fredericksburg, and laughing and joking about like what we're going to do in the future with Faith Unaltered <laughs> and, and, uh, laughing about like our theological positions and stuff like that. And, um, yeah the girls were inside actually getting ice cream with the kids so it was (laughs) it was kind of funny so uh yeah that was that was our little story but yeah that you know we do that but
1: all right cool so here so here here's the last question for the night because i I know it's getting late probably free travis and stuff so
3: um
1: okay so one one thing i love
3: philosophy and theology like it's uh, you know uh, I happen you know like people around me I tend to get on their nerves because I'm like always uh, talking about it because I just have this love and passion for theology and philosophy of religion so Uh-oh. go ahead no, knock, your, knock yourself out <laughs> all right so this is kind of a
1: simplistic objection like let's say an atheist uh, or a skeptic or something right they'll mm-hmm. they'll point look axiology schmaxiology there are no such thing as real values but what we call values they're just subjective mm-hmm. and they're derivative Uh, or reducible to uh, survivability and evolution, right? So what is the, what, what is the, okay, well, let me just, okay, I'll just finish it then. So, so yeah, you're saying, look, the probability given theism is a hundred percent that we would have this world where we have these values, but Mm -hmm. the same is true on non-theism because look that there are really no values. We've just evolved in a certain way to where we have these subjective experiences we call values. And, of course, right? We've evolved well, to fit the environment. So what would you say to something like that?
3: I, I would say that, that runs into the problem of arbitrary limits. Uh, the, the reason that these states of affairs obtained is completely arbitrary, whereas under theism, it would be expected. So I'm not saying that naturalism can't explain the data. It's a, a likelihood uh, argument, a Bayesian likelihood that the probability of observing this phenomenon, given theism, is one, whereas under the probability of Observing it under naturalism it Would be very low Not impossible I mean it's it's possible But it, I'm saying it's much more likely To observe these states of affairs uh, Given theism And, and uh, so it would offer An explanatory power As to why we have uh, states That seem uh, axiological Like uh, we could just say That there's an axiological landscape That sort of uh, You know we we could call our experiences, if we want to deny value, we could just say we have axiological uh, uh, sensations, and that theism would predict a world in which we have axiological sensations, and even if, if you wanted to look at it subjectively, you could say that, well, a being of such and such type would want to create such and such world, and we observe that such and such world, and so it, it would be evidence for the hypothesis, even if you want to say that it's subjective, Um, because yeah that that is a common thing that they almost think that like it destroys the argument if you say that uh it's subjective and it's like no it it's irrelevant it doesn't even matter yeah
2: so let me camp on that real quick so and and basically i'm not so i'm asking if this is a good argument for christians to use because i've heard it before or if we should ditch this argument so Basically, I've heard from natural or from Christians attacking naturalism basically that given uh, the concept of naturalism, value, right, which implies degrees can't even exist because like you guys just kind of said, it's subjective, right? We get to determine what's good and what's bad, what's valuable, what's non-valuable. Mm-hmm. Is that a good argument to attack or, or to attack naturalism with that Christians should use? Well, you guys can't even come up with values, right? Because in in naturalism, there is no values. I, or, I, or how I, would you address
3: that? I, I would use Josh Ress, You know, I'm a huge... Josh Rasmussen fan. So yeah, yeah. I, I I would use his approach that uh, it, it's in regards to arbitrary limits that uh, there's no reason that you know uh, a chance hypothesis will kind of develop a, a fine tuned world where we have uh, you know agents with these axiological sensations. I mean, it's completely arbitrary. Whereas under like theism, under absolute perfection, it would predict these states of affairs obtained. Whereas, you know, na- under naturalism, it's surprising. And so I don't think you have to go so far as to say that uh, you, you know, it, w- it wouldn't predict it at all. I'm saying, well, it's much more likely given theism. Uh, I-, I would just use a, a likelihood uh, gotcha. argument here. Gotcha. Likelihood principle. Yeah. Right on. Thanks. So uh, it's not that. Uh, yeah, I-, I would just kind of address it differently. I, I want to be charitable and say it's not that it's bad so much as I would just do it a little differently.
2: Fair enough.
0: Well, guys, I mean, we're at the end. I have one question from the audience that I want to throw out there just now because uh, he asked this of you, uh, Travis. And, okay. I, you know, um, you can just tell him what you feel about it now or that you need to think on it and you'll get back to him. You know, and this is the question. Um, the gentleman speaking. Would he be willing to take the info god has given me about the mathematical structure of the kjv and use his equations. so this is obviously something you're gonna to have to think about i think <laughs> but uh, um, I, I think
3: maybe I'd get give... in touch with them and and maybe well, uh uh you, you know uh I know. would i be willing to uh take the info that god has given me about the mathematical structure of the king and use its equations um, I, I'm not sure. You, it, Travis, it, it, if you're it, you of need of more lost, information.
2: Watch the video that Dell and I did on Bible codes, and that will explain everything for you.
3: Okay. Yeah. Um, right, on, right on. I, I don't so have any, helps. any Thanks. like really Thanks, dog in that fight. So yeah, <laughs> I'll yeah. leave. I'll leave it in somebody else's <laughs> capable hands. I'm sorry. I don't know. To the gentleman, I, I don't know. Okay. No so problem. that answers that. Um,
0: guys, this has been. I mean, like this is after a week where it's been busy and crazy things happened and like, like literally guys, you you know, I'm fine this week. Absolutely fine. We put, uh, Annalie in a bath. She broke out. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I had to go in late to work one day. And then I found out that day that I went late to work that my mom's best friend died who Actually help me take care of my daughter And um, I pray for that Family and I love that family And you know um, I might be going to a a Viewing or a funeral or something uh, Here in the near future But when I say That this week has been fine um, You gentlemen give me so much encouragement um, And You know these type of conversations Really lift my spirits uh, Even in hard times and You know uh, God is going to He's already defeated death in the grave, you know. Um, right. Friday, Friday is good because Sunday's coming. You know. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, Jesus is 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 the hope, you know, and in Him is life and love and everything that that we need to get through the worst of times. And um,
3: that's that, I, that's I, so true. Yeah, you know? it is.
0: It, it's so it's so powerful, you know. But uh, with that, with that said, you know, um, Mm. I really appreciate this conversation and it's stimulating and it gets you thinking and it puts you on so many different tracks that you can like say, let's go down this track. Let's go down that track. Let's go down this track. You know, and it's just fun. This this is what I live for. I love these type of conversations, you know, and can I do a promo? Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, brother.
3: Okay, I was going to say, uh, part of this is, uh, this is an area of ministry that I'm really starting to work on too. It's because, you know, I love philosophy, right? But I also love the devotional aspect of the Christian faith. And so, um, I have this book I did called The Inner Witness of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you can purchase it on amazon uh in fact that'd be really cool if you did (laughs) but uh so what i really wanted to do in the book is take these philosophical concepts like uh the argument from religious experience the argument from the defeat condition of uh infinite value in in these different philosophical concepts and see how they apply to our uh like devotional life so
0: is that your work is that your book
3: Yes, that's my book well, Why but... haven't
0: I got a signed copy yet? I should have been like one of the first ones to get a signed copy Don't you think? I, um, I will send you one uh, I'll have to uh, Yeah, one. I sent you a microphone that you're talking through right now Yeah Don't you uh, think okay. that, that good old
3: Dave Should have been thought of? <laughs> the old man, yeah, you know uh, I, I didn't know if like your were, devotions Were like were I am a I devotion. Dude, look it, it, dude, it,
0: If there's no devotion Then what is there? Because I Cause mean I, mean, no, I, I like, sent out
3: like 10 copies. Like if I would have known oh like man, one one. I,
0: of course the interview, dude. I interviewed you on the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. Me and right. Tyler both did. Oh, right, and you I know? remember there was the objection yeah. video and then the
3: response video. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, that was yeah. fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, like, of course, I want your book, dude. Just because your name is on it, I want it because you're valuable to me.
3: Oh, thank <laughs> you know you. what I mean. Uh,
0: of course, you are. You know I that. Would, you, Look, I re- remember when when I first met you and there was that crazy fight you had and I was like, whoa, this guy's like this guy's going off. Right. And then like me and you forged such a great friendship through that. Mm-hmm. And like you've been, you know, you've been part of my, your brother to me, man. You know, I would come down to Texas mm-hmm. just to see you if you, you know, whatever, you know. Yeah. Well, I you're like, an awesome guy, dude. So yeah. I, of course I want your books, dude. If you have something, I, I and I've told Caleb too. He still hasn't done it either. But uh, <laughs> of course I want. I, I, if you participated in something, you know, of course, of course I want a copy of it, dude. Well,
1: maybe if so you forth. sent them your book first, right? It I is. don't
0: have a book to send. Yes, Unfortunately, you Unfortunately, no, COVID no. Rate. I was not. I was not the primary oh. author, and I don't have the primary.
3: This uh, is uh, a co- of that. I co-authored. Uh, so if you'll see your yeah.
2: um, yeah,
3: student so what of I wanted learned. to do what I wanted to do with and that's that's really cool uh, I, I'd like to learn more about that um, what I wanted to do with this book is sort of take like philosophical con- like these concepts within the philosophy of religion right and see how they applied to our devotional life like oh like you know when you think about the argument from religious uh, experience or the defeat condition or uh, the argument from value. you know theism predicts value states obtained Or, you know, uh, like temple theology in the Old Testament, Uh, I touch on that, too. And I explain how, you know, uh, for example, like the temple theology, you know, how it kind of relates to Christ and that we now are temples of the Holy Spirit uh, in that sacred space, uh, Michael Heiser kind of thing. I touch on that. I touch on like the defeat condition and the the argument from value and saintliness, and so forth, and so yeah, I, I take these philosophical concepts and just explain how they work, uh, you know, apply to our devotional life too. Right. So, yeah. Amen, man. So, so
0: again, guys, th- this this conversation has been extremely helpful for me. Just to, you you know, it, it's like an escape, you know, for me, you know. Um, just to be able to think about these things, talk about yeah. these things, and, and discuss them. Um, but uh, again, you know, thank you guys for being here. Um, for our audience, we definitely got a show tomorrow. Uh, um, but I want to give the floor to Tyler real quick because I know he always likes to close us out with his quotation mm. that actually is coined – it hasn't been copyrighted yet. I am going to try to get it copyrighted, but at some What's point, the, because she is the man.
2: What is the show tomorrow just for the audience? So they That's know. what I was going to really say. Yeah. So the show for tomorrow, guys, we've got Joshua Sherman coming back on. And Dale is actually going to be a big participant in this discussion talking about divine justice. And I'll we, have
0: Dale's back
2: awesome so yeah the tables will be turned i was grilling travis today but
1: uh tomorrow i'm going to be in the hot seat so. yeah uh.
2: but, well both of you guys kind of are really and so i'm interested to see how that comes out but yeah. is divine justice primarily restorative or retributive so that's Ooh. uh that's the path we're going to go down tomorrow yeah i have travis. a feeling that
3: i would disagree with you dale <laughs>
2: i have a Probably feeling. Would. I, would I,
1: I don't uh, know because i take i take the restorative
2: uh shut your oh. mouth okay. shut okay. your mouth dale <laughs> was Y'all trying
0: to, trying to trap me I'll
2: okay.
1: try to defend retributionism a little bit
3: but. No, I, I hold <laughs> The uh, uh, restorative point. too uh, Yeah, Cause you said David uh, David said he had your back so I assumed it was Like a You know Retribution. Retribution, yeah. yeah.
2: yeah.
1: T- Tyler just uh straw manned me, but I-, I went with no. It, so. so, what oh, I okay. did
2: was give the title a good clickbaity uh title, so that's uh, that's where I was. The fact so.
0: is, it's going to be turned around on me because I made the, or- the, the cream soda crush jokes
2: tonight, so
0: Ooh.
2: it will be. I, and I, he was dogging orthodoxy, so Sherman's gonna tear him I up. Was, I can't wait to see that.
0: Man, Sherman doesn't tear anybody up. He's too nice.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he I love Sherman, Mac. man. I really <laughs> love Sherman,
0: man. Sherman's a great guy, even yeah. though he's named after a tank. But uh he's a yeah, uh, him, Tyler. Too I, for that. He
2: is a tank. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> he's too soft for a tank. <laughs> he's yeah. he's, he's too nice that, of Sherman. a guy. You heard that have Sherman. you ever
0: have you ever seen his face? It's just like it's got a permanent smile on
2: it. It's yeah. It's got a
0: permanent smile. <laughs> Smile. Yeah. You know, it, you know, tend your nets and look at Sherman, and you'll be happy. Sherman's mad face. I just thought he was, try- I yeah, just
1: I thought he was trying. Yeah, trying- mad face is I just thought he was trying not to like burst out laughing at me the whole time. I, I, I <laughs> nice.
3: Well, that might be the case. I mean, who knows? he is the <laughs>
2: the crime, Well, that, but- in
1: that case, he is being nice, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's you sparing go. my feelings.
0: So, so with that, guys, I want to say thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, our viewers this has been fun this has just been a a talk between friends and uh just you know discussing deep issues that that we can agree and disagree on and and question each other on and and explore deeper on and try to understand this omniscience this nature of god that that we all desire to understand that we we think we will in heaven try to understand even further so um it's definitely an interesting topic Uh, you know, um, David. Travis, me, no, good.
3: Yeah, let me, because uh, when you said that kind of like a, a, a thought just came to me that uh, like Orthodoxy says that, you know, uh, we know God by his energies, right? But we can't approach near to his essence. And so one sort of like side effect of that is that uh, we can never fully grasp God. And so what that means is we will always be learning more and more and more about God throughout all eternity. And we will never know all yeah. But we yeah, will you got that from me
0: really early on before you got into earth orthodoxy. I told you that before, but no, I know, okay. sure <laughs> <enough>. <laughs>
3: Yeah, <laughs> I it's it, you know with the essence and energy. It's yeah. it's, it's I hear you. I hear you. I wanted it's to start, it, start it, talking about no, God's no, chakras absolutely. or whatever.
0: <laughs> yeah, chakras. <laughs> awesome, Tyler. Please, with all due respect, sir, you are the man of the closing statement, and you know what, I love it, and.
2: I am going to put it on the back of a shirt someday, so you better say it right. Before I say it, let me just say one more thing, and I'll jump right into it. Christ is risen from the dead, trampling down Amen. death by death, and upon those in the tombs, bestowing life. Good night, God bless, and stay like Christ.